This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates, New England Operations. And as you know, Ringler Radio focuses on information about the settlement industry with high-profile industry experts and attorneys as our guests. We're glad you could join us today, and we've taken the show on the road again. And this time, we're at the NASTA annual meeting here in beautiful, balmy Puerto Rico. Uh, Co-hosting the show with me today is my colleague who's done this before with me, and I've really appreciated his efforts. Uh, Tom Murray is an associate in the New York office. He's got 36 years of structured settlement experience as well as an awful lot of claims experience. And, Tom, it's great being here down in Puerto Rico at the NASTA meeting, isn't it? I I just think it's a wonderful experience to be down here and that we've moved it off the continental United States. I think we should do more of these. I think next year, where should we go? Tahiti? Well, I was all in, uh, no, no, Tahiti would not be on my list, Larry, but uh, (laughs) I was all in favor of using Phoenix as the permanent winter location. Not bad. Now, you've always had good ideas, Tom. And we'll also like to welcome here today... Uh, J.P. Steele, the incoming president of NASTA. And J.P. is the president of AIG American General Structured Settlements based in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, And that's quite a title for a fellow who in 1981 was a file clerk. So that's the real true American success story, J.P. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Tom. You you and Charlie Rangel have a lot in common. He came (laughs) up through the hard way, too. Absolutely. You know, J.P., along with his brother Bobby, have been real pioneers in the industry since, uh, and I remember the early days when they were back at Western National, and uh, there's an awful lot of history sitting here at this table today, both with you, Tom, and with uh, you, J.P., so uh, welcome, and welcome to Ringo Radio. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, here at the NASTA convention, there were a lot of important issues being discussed, a lot of panel discussions, a, a lot going on, and J.P., you're the president, you're coming in, uh, there are a lot of things we need to deal with, uh, you're the guy with the inside scoop, so uh, Tom, why don't you get right on it? Well, I think that uh, one of the topics we covered earlier this morning is the Government Benefits Committee, and as J.P. is the incoming president, we're going to continue to move forward with our thrust to Medicare set-asides and CMS. And I think that it's great that we're going to have this joint front going in immediately and we're going to hit the bricks running. Um, your thoughts on where we should send some of these points of interest? Well, it's just amazing how much the uh, coordination and preservation of uh, government benefits has really come front and center in structured settlements. And we have to be vigilant, vigilant excuse me, to uh, make sure that uh, we enable them to still be present in individual settlements. So whereas that used to be deemed a minor workers' comp issue, uh, now it's prevalence in uh, special needs trusts uh, along that lines and, and could at one point extend into any liability tort to action. It's something that we have to know about, uh, have good advice for all of our clients in the settlement process, and uh, use our tool to coordinate around those benefits. Well, there's been some discussion here about uh, third-party entities and now having to take a look at that with Medicare set-asides. It's an issue that I think we'll probably table for six or seven months to see if it comes to the forefront again. But when we look at structures as a tool for disposition on catastrophic injury, there's no better tool because it's so malleable to meet any needs that can be thrown upon an injured worker or a young child. Uh, 
the creativity that comes in from carriers like yourself to fund these products on an everyday basis. We're changing what we want to do, and you've been there to, to meet the challenge and come up with new product relief for us. Well, thank you. I think we're probably just at the tip of that iceberg because we seem to go through a three- or four-year cycle where really the environment in which we operate changes, and I think we're probably on the cusp of another one where government benefits and maybe the inclusion of, uh, of all sorts of uh, tort liabilities get swept up in that can change the very product that we, uh, we know right from under our feet. That it can. In one fell swoop, it could change. One of the things that we brought out earlier this morning is that we developed an alliance with the UWC, which has been mirroring us, and we've been mirroring them and taking some proposed legislation to CMS to level the playing field so we know what we have to do. But the backing of the life industry behind us to come in and say, we have the product, tell us how you want to meld it into a shape that we can all use is an excellent tool. I agree fully. Absolutely. Well, you know, all the benefits that structures have that Tom just mentioned, and so did you, JP, they're, they're really not benefits until people know about them. And part of that is the whole education process around getting the word out to both the attorneys and, and uh, claims individuals and just the public and, and, and certainly the politicians as to the, uh, the benefits of structure settlements. So what, what are we as an industry doing and what do you as incoming president want to do to accomplish that goal? Well, I mean, certainly I feel there's a role for the trade association to be an educational voice beyond what we've been in the past, and that is to, uh, to seek a broader mass marketing effort. Uh, it's an unusual product that you're not going to be exposed to it unless you're unfortunately have someone that you love or know involved in some sort of injury. But still, we think that there's a role for the trade association as a, as a non, nonpartisan, non-provider member that can go to uh, trade association shows of all sort, can run their own booth there, independent, that it can be a non-pressure situation that people can go and get you know, very factual information uh, that then they can educate themselves on. One of the things that we're especially doing right now is uh, an education process involving workers' comp administrative uh, panels across the, uh, the nation. As you know, the, the factoring that is uh, legal under 5891 in the State Modeling Acts specifically does not apply to workers' comp settlements. Uh, yet the knowledge level of the workers' comp administrative judges, that's a topic they're not familiar with, and they can accidentally rule wrong there, and that's we've started an initiative to work with them, the organizations that they work in, to provide them some good factual information on what they can and cannot do. And we now have 44 states that have enacted this legislation that's going to protect the consumer and the recipient of structured settlements. So it's, it's really working to our advantage. And one state in particular, Florida, has made it a felony if they factor a case that's workers' compensation. I think we need more of that type of legislation to come out to take these people are, are the the indigent of the world, if you will. They're the 18 to 26, 10th grade educated person that doesn't know how to manage their money, and if it's dissipated, they're back on the rolls of, of the public. And the only thing I'd say, Tom, is 44 and counting. We have uh, two bills uh, in Hawaii and Alabama, uh, the kind of coordination between a national and a grassroots effort to get that. Uh, it's passed all the way through, and it sits on the governor's desk on both of those states and is uh, expected for immediate approval. That will bring us to a total of 46. It, you know, on a, on a more basic level, uh, when we're dealing with uh, trying to convince plaintiffs to do a structured settlement and their attorneys, oftentimes we get the financial planner in the background on the plaintiff's side who has other ideas, uh, oftentimes uh, basically out of ignorance about structured settlements. So I have found that the pamphlets that NASTA has created uh, 
the various educational type pieces of information to hand out have been helpful to, to just hand to that individual and to really, for the first time, open their eyes to the great benefits that structures have. So thank you for that. And are you, are you going to continue with that program? We are going to continue. I think one of the, uh, one of the indicators of uh, if a product has demand is, is the uh, sales and usage of them. You know, we have good usage of our product, but the uh, brochures and educational pamphlets that the uh, Public Relations Committee of NASTA has, uh, has produced has now uh, uh, produced and manufactured, and the orders are around 100,000 of these documents. And so the brokers are seeing them as an education piece that's being uh, accepted. They're utilizing them. We continue to do more and more of those with at least two to three in the next annual cycle produced. Ter terrific. That's terrific. great. Well, let me, let me just move on a little bit. Uh, you know, many times people think of structured settlements uh, really in the, in the area of the plaintiff world. Uh, but you know what? They have great, advantage, great advantages to the defense community as well, the insurance industry and the defense side of things. Uh, how do you get that word out, and, and what are some of those advantages that you've been able to bring to the community when you talk to politicians especially? Well, I think that uh, if you look at the history of structured settlements, they probably were originally oriented out of the uh, property casualty and defense side as a tool to, to bring resolution. And we brought our industry to probably a three to three and a half billion with that model. And then you saw a jump here within the last 10 years. And that's where utilization really skyrocketed up to a $6 billion sales plateau. I would say that if you look at the demographics and the study of how that came about, that was as a result of the plaintiff brokers and their role and influence in the process. But the reality is structured settlements are done in the context of all of the parties at the end of uh, a resolution of litigation. And it's not one party who is making all of those decisions. It is the, uh, the roles and the decisions and negotiations between plaintiff and defense and garden ad litems, judges, and everyone has a say and an approval in that, as it should be in the uh, context of uh, conflict resolution there. Well, it has to be a... a alternative dispute approach to where everybody is becoming a team player to get the end result, the best possible result for that person. And there's no better tool than this structure because everybody is going to know who's going to get what and when. I mean, it's the only true defined product, and there's where we can combat some of the financial planners that are out there with inflation rates that are not appropriate. The substandard annuity marketplace that we're using to offset the cost of these is still a tremendous benefit to the defendant. And with the advent of additional medical tools out there, this population is living a normal life expectancy or as normal as you can within the confines of a disability. But this tool matches up perfectly when their needs arise. And that's one of the things that the defense team and the plaintiff team can get together and look at and say, is this the best mousetrap we can build for this individual? And it becomes a collaborative effort. I mean, to speak on behalf of my own company, I work for American General, which is owned by AIG. And AIG's property casualty unit is the largest purchaser of structured settlements in the United States, and that number is very close to $1 billion. So obviously that casualty company believes in that product as a tool for concluding their resolution and claims. And I think that they're now leaning towards a uh, big push on workers' compensation in its, uh, in its ability to take a large amount of reserve dollars off the books and put it back into surplus, which allows them to write additional business on the P&C side. And I believe that's true, and I think to, in their minds, an injury is an injury, irregardless of the type of claim, and it can be utilized for that injured claimant, ir irrespective of the type of claim underlying. You know, what, what we find with the politicians that really get involved in this, this issue, like Congressman Rangel this morning, is, you know, they're really there to protect the plaintiff community, they're to protect the injured parties, and, uh, and that's a good thing. But, you know, we, we find that the, 
one of the great benefits of structures is this prevention of dissipation. And uh, yet at the same time, we'll have uh, clients and their advisors, and even sometimes their attorneys, even though their attorneys sometimes are wanting to, to have the structure come into play, it just doesn't happen. So we've been advising those attorneys to get in writing that the, they've explained the structured product to their client and their client has denied or, or turned it down because invariably these people end up you know, dissipating their funds and then coming back and wondering why it happened so quickly. And the answer is you really never entertained seriously the structured settlement product. We've really got to keep on that education bill, uh, track to really make sure those, those claimants and those attorneys are recommending or at least considering the structured settlement. What I've been doing with the, the Grillo case is that I've been advising some of the plaintiff's attorneys that you may wish to read this case over before you make your final determination as to whether or not you're going to structure the case. That's a good idea. That's a very good idea. One of the things that I've noticed in my service with NASTA in the last uh, two to three years at the board level is, you know, why this diverse crew of people really support structured settlements, and that is politicians on both parties uh, regulators, uh, Treasury, IRS, and casualty companies and both sides of attorneys is that it's a protective tool. Anytime you're, uh, you're utilizing a protective tool and you have a, a credible distribution force that's using those, you're protecting somebody for the long term, and that's not something you hear talked about in the United States in every day. Going back to the issue about the type of people we're dealing with, the 18 to 26, 10th grade educated, now they have a catastrophic injury and they have to develop the ability to invest, reinvest, and when to move within the market. I don't have that expertise. How can, we expect them, how can we expect them to develop it instantly? And from a political standpoint, when you can get a private sector alternative to keeping those funds flowing to those individuals so they have no need to, to dip into the, uh, the governmental benefits stream, that's a big, big plus. So and there's, going to be there's where I think JP and I will be going to Washington in, sometime in June. I think it's around June 12th. And what we're trying to do is coordinate benefits, supplement them, not supplant them. And we want to make sure that the federal government gets their fair share and we get our fair share. Great. Well put. Well, I want to thank you, JP, for the member services that NASTA is really putting forth. Uh, you've got a lot of things on your agenda on the way uh, in, in the area of dealing with and helping the members of NASTA. And uh, tell us about some new ideas or new, new initiatives that you might have on your plate. Well, I just think you'll see us as a uh, board of directors for NASTA focus on uh, do the members feel that they're getting a tangible benefit from the dues that they pay and a, a member of, and uh, for us to define a little bit about is there something more that a member has to do besides just send a check in to be a member of NASTA, or are there certain things that they have to conduct their business, that they have to represent how they're doing, but do you feel that you get a member service from, uh, from NASTA? So you'll see us develop a laundry list. We probably don't uh, toot our horn enough about the accomplishments we uh, achieve in any particular year. We don't broadcast them loud enough because, quite frankly, we don't slow down long enough to actually go through that laundry list, but that's, that's something that, that we need to do. We were forefront at the uh, preservation in uh, 2004, December, when it looked like the ability for uh, plaintiff attorneys to structure their attorney fee was in jeopardy, and that's something we have not broadcast very loud, but it was something that uh, it was a tool that's being utilized that was a companion one, not that it's tax free by any benefit, but it certainly made sense for them to be able to utilize deferred compensation in a similar similar matter in the way the claimants are structuring to uh, have their income structured. I've been seeing more and more plaintiff attorneys approach me that uh, they're doing every third case, they're structuring a portion of their fee, whether it's for retirement purposes or education to their children. But 
it's become conditioned now after this last run when they tried to change it with the Jobs Act. Well, and it's certainly for any self-employed individual, whether you're a dentist or an electrician or a plumber, you, they preserve the right for you to negotiate how you're being paid when you don't know at the front end of the deal how much or when you're going to be paid. And, and plaintiff and trial attorneys now fall within that same 409 uh, subset there as defined by the proposed regulations. And so it's not something carved out specifically for attorneys, but they fit that mold exactly because they don't know when this is going to be over, how it's going to be over, and when. And so they fit the classic self-employed definition. That's an important piece of our business, and it's, uh, we're awful, awfully happy that uh, it came out in that way. Well, you know, people all over that are listening to this broadcast right now want to know how to get in touch with NASTA. How do they deal and, and come to learn more about NASTA? How do they do that? Probably the easiest way is there's a, a brand new website uh, that just rolled out, and uh, that's NSSTA, that's NationalStructuredSettlements.com, www.NationalStructuredSettlements.com. It's a great outreach tool because every single member in the 50 states is listed there. If you don't know what a structured settlement is, and quite frankly, a lot of people don't unless you're actively in this field every day, we would encourage you to use it as your first portal of information to gain a definition, and then you can see who's in your local neighborhood that can that can really further enhance that and utilize it on an everyday matter. Terrific. Tom, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Just have to go to the Ringler website, www.ringlerradio.com. They can reach me. They can also reach me on my direct dial number, 212-609-2506. Okay, fine. And all of the Ringler Radio programs are on ringlerassociates.com or the legaltalknetwork.com. And uh, JP, we know you're extremely busy here uh, overseeing the entire conference. It's quite a job. Uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to visit with us today, and uh, good luck with the rest of the conference. Larry and Tom, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, JP. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, Genworth Financial, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, Liberty Life, American General, and Pacific Life and Annuity. 